joker and a trainer, we can show you how to win. Will you be then? You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong to the Merry Marble Marching Society. March along, march along, march along to the song of the Merry Marble Marching Society. Hello and welcome to part two of A Marvelous Anniversary, a week-long celebration of the third anniversary of the Fire & Water Podcast Network, as well as the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics Issue 1, published in 1939. I'm Ryan Daly, the host of Cheerscast, It's Midnight the Podcasting Hour, and several other shows here on the Fire & Water Network, and I am joined this time around by the co-host of First Strike, the Invasion Podcast. It's Bass. Hello, Bass. Hey, how's it going, Ryan? Good, good. Thank you very much for being on here with me. Uh, Those of you tuning in to listen probably heard yesterday's episode with Rob and Shag, and thus you know that Marvel Comics number 1 featured the first appearance of the original Fire & Water duo, the Human Torch and the Submariner, neither of which will be discussed on this particular episode, though. (laughs) Instead, for the second installment of A Marvelous Anniversary, we're reviewing the second story in Marvel Comics number one, the first published appearance of the Golden Age hero known as the Angel. Bass, what, if anything, did you know about the Angel before reading this story? Well, first of all, I didn't know we were talking about the Angel. I thought we were going to talk about Angel from the (laughs) X-Men. But that's not the same guy, not at all. I, We're might talking tricked, about, I might have tricked you into this appearance. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because uh, I, I don't know much about Marvel's Golden Age, mm-hmm. but this is one of the original uh, Marvel Golden Age heroes. Mm-hmm. It, I don't it is, know it a is lot much about. as this is where Marvel's Golden Age began. This is the <laughs> second Marvel Golden Age hero, yeah. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about that time. I, I mean, I know uh, about the, the invaders. I mean, mm-hmm. Namor, Human Torch, Toro, Cap, you know, Bucky, uh, and the wizard, because he has <laughs> the best superhero name ever. Yep. And his costume was yellow, so, you know. <laughs> but that's about it. I didn't know anything about Angel, or the Angel. Yeah, I actually, I first heard of him, he was in, I think, just one issue of the Brian Bendis, Alex Maleev Daredevil run, um, hmm. which is one of my favorite runs of comics. Um, I know that might be controversial for a lot of Daredevil fans, but I absolutely love that run. Um, but there was one story arc they did called, appropriately, Golden Age, which was about who was the kingpin of New York City before Wilson Fisk. Um, and it shows this guy kind of like growing up. It's basically like Godfather Part 2 where you have this flashback story to how this guy kind of like came up. Um, but anyway, there's like one one story arc where this like low-level guy before he becomes the Kingpin has a run-in with this costumed vigilante called the Angel. And I probably just assumed that it was a made-up thing. I, I had no idea that that was an existent character when I read that until... Well, now it would have been 10 years ago now, um, for the 70th anniversary of Marvel Comics, they released The Marvel's Project, uh, written by Ed Brubaker. And the Angel was actually like the main character of that story. It was an ensemble. It dealt with a lot of people, like the ones you just mentioned. The yeah. Captain America, Bucky, Toro, the Human Torch, Submariner. Even, I, I it did a nice job of sort of retconning Um, Nick Fury actually into the Golden Age by having him be responsible for sneaking Professor Erskine, the guy who created the the super soldier uh, formula for Captain America. It was Nick Fury and Happy Sam who got 
that guy out of Germany, like on, on like huh. on enemy lines and stuff in there. Um, but in that story, the angel, who we will learn more about later in this episode, was kind of one of the POV guys because it was sort of him witnessing the birth of this new age of superheroes and kind of being uh, being kind of like our our point man for the story. And I'll talk more about that at the end of this one. Um, so yeah. The Angel. Um, before we get into the story, a little bit about the character, who just his look, the design of the character. <laughs> I kind of, when I was mentioning this, this show to like the other guys in the network, I was pitching, I was explaining for anybody who hadn't heard of him. I was like, he acts like Batman. He looks like Superman because his costume <laughs> is just blue shirt and pants, like leggings, like solid, like blue two piece with yellow wings, like angel wings, kind of like coming out of a circle across his chest as his symbol and a red cape. Uh, and, and that's yeah. it. And then he's got like a little pencil thin mustache. What, <laughs> what do you think of the look of the angel? Uh, you know, the angel looks like, uh, you know, there was this time where they had like all of these Superman knockoffs Mm -hmm. and this looks exactly like a Superman knockoff (laughs) only had, you know, this little mustache and, you know, but he could basically seemed to have like the same kind of powers, you know, he could leap really high or something like that. We, we don't really know. Uh, we know he can jump off buildings or stuff like that. And, you know, he, he, he was basically this, this Superman knockoff. And, um, I, 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 you know, I couldn't just read the story you told me to read. I, I kind of just went and looked for more stuff. <laughs> and, uh, at one point he has this little domino mask also and guns. Yeah. Um, and, and they kind of, they kind of changed the colors a little bit. You know, the, the blues, a lighter blue, uh, the angel wings have this better design on it also, but you know, the iconic red cape, uh, is very reminiscent of Superman, but yeah, acts like Batman and, uh, looks like <laughs> Superman. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, uh, all right. Getting into the story, which is untitled, it just says The Angel at the top of the first page. The strip is written and illustrated by The Angel's creator, Paul Gustafson. Though Mike's Amazing World says the story was written by Raymond Gill, the Grand Comics database suggests that that is incorrect, that Gill wrote later Angel stories in the 1940s, but this first appearance is all by Gustafson. So, a gang of racketeers known as the Six Big Men, which... Wonderful name. (laughs) They brutally strike at prominent locations all over the city. Using violence and extortion, the gang takes control of a restaurant, a subway station, a nightclub, a gambling den, a delivery syndicate, and the home of a city councilman, effectively taking control of organized crime throughout the city. A group of concerned, influential citizens demand action from the mayor and the police but the commissioner tells them that no witnesses will speak out against the six big men out of fear for their lives. One of the citizens, a Dr. Lang, suggests they enlist the help of the costumed vigilante known as the Angel, who can wipe out the six big men without the constraints of the legal system. Just then, a rock with a note attached crashes through the mayor's window. The note identifies each of the six big men, signifying the angel is going after them. But unknown to the vigilante or the mayor, Dr. Lang seems to have a secret of his own. A few days later, Gus Ronson, one of the big men, leaves the courthouse after a fixed jury acquits him of manslaughter. 
the commissioner warns Ronson that the angel is out to get him. At that moment, a shadow falls on the wall above them, a shadow in the shape of an angel. Gus runs to his car, but he's being watched by the vigilante in question. The angel leaps off the roof of the courthouse, swings from a light post, and sneaks into Ronson's car unseen. Ronson gets in and starts to drive away, but the angel wraps his arms around the racketeer's neck and strangles him to death. Moments later, the cops arrive to find Ronson dead at the wheel of his car and a rhyming note from the angel. Next, the angel sneaks into the gambling den and finds Mike Malone, the second of the six big men. Malone draws a gun, but the angel quickly disarms him and then goes about beating Malone to death. This ruthless murder is witnessed by a third member of the gang, John Dillon, who tries to escape from the angel but only manages to fall out a window to his death. In the aftermath, the angel sees a mysterious woman leave him a note, then she slips away. The note says that the fourth gang member, Trigger Bolo, is waiting for the angel. Nevertheless, the vigilante goes to the delivery warehouse where Trigger is waiting with his own gang of henchmen. The angel takes out one of the guards, but the commotion brings Trigger's thugs down on him. The angel fights them off for a time, but is eventually captured. Before Trigger can mow him down with a Tommy gun, the mysterious woman named Lil tells Trigger that the big boss has ordered him to kill the angel in the woods outside the city. Together with Steve Enkel, the fifth of the six big men, Trigger and Lil drive the angel to the outskirts of the city. They tie him to a tree, but Lil secretly cuts the angel's binds. The angel asks the men for one last cigarette before he dies. When Enkel approaches, the angel grabs him. Trigger shoots at them, killing Enkel, who shoots back and kills Trigger just as he dies. Lil tells the angel that she was only following her orders in arranging their deaths, and she drives off. The angel returns to the city and quickly finds, and kills, the sixth gang member, Dutch Hansen. Then the angel goes to the bank where the racketeer's money was to be deposited. At the bank, the angel catches Lil and the mysterious big boss, who is, in fact, Dr. Lang. The angel forces them at gunpoint to confess, thus revealing that Lang and Lil set up the six big men to secure the rackets all over the city and would split the money seven ways. Lang brought the angel into the mix hoping he would kill off everyone else so Lang wouldn't have to split the money at all. But now they are caught, thanks to the cunning of the angel, who will fly into another adventure next issue. So, whew. Yeah, for eight pages, <laughs> that was a lot of story there. That's a lot of story. It's so much so that, you know, he, he kind of gets two people and then <laughs> there's not enough pages to go on. So he you know, kind of gets two of them at a time and, you know, some of them just fall out of windows <laughs> yeah. and, you know, yeah. eventually just gets to the big boss. Right. But, especially uh, since, like, the angel himself isn't introduced to the very end of the third page. So we've really exactly. got to, you know, he hasn't got time to wait. He's just whacking these guys off, like, one at a time. So <laughs> It was really a different time, right? Because, yeah. uh, I mean, the angel just kills people. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah this is, it's That was, like, the first note that I got to when I finished that. I was like, this is a violent story. I mean, we're used to, like, the heroes, you know, just beating them up and leaving them for the cops. But nope golden age 1939 just kill them and like yeah 
it's like it describes the way he does it. Like he strangles the first guy, and then the second guy he just beats him to death on his desk. It's like yeah, oh, crap. yeah, very very violent. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, it was a different time, right? My my parents often talk about when they used to play kids games and mm-hmm. you know it was always about killing people and hanging people and you know it was it, very violent games but this comic book i mean i was you know even uh, when they're at the the uh, mayor's office and the police chief is there and he's like yeah we can do anything we <laughs> i mean our hands are tied man we can do anything and some guy goes well we should hire the angel and people are going like no we can't hire this guy he kills people <laughs> so it's a well-known fact that the angel he takes out people. Right, right. He's, he's got a rep already. <laughs> oh, yeah. You do not mess with the angel. Yeah. Gosh, uh, yeah. It's on uh, yeah, page five, I think. Um, it's the first panel at the top of that. After literally mashing him into a pulp, Mike Malone <laughs> crumbles into a heap. Instantly, the angel turns to Mike's pal. Yeah, mashing him to a pulp. And again, he's not armed. Like, the only time the angel has weapons in this is at the very end when he holds the two at gunpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> the whole time. It's, it's crazy. But, I mean, it was another time. It was right. another time. Right. Uh, you know, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do that now, but then, yeah, it's all fine. So... Big picture, what did you think of the story? Um, you know, it's very reminiscent of that time and these kinds of comics. You know, uh, we have you know these goons taken over, and they're very generic goons. You know, mm-hmm. they have this uh, you know, big suits and big jaws, and you know they are they're all too tough. And uh, it's very reminiscent of these. You know, it's the golden age of comics. That's mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. they did, right? Yeah. And. Uh, I really enjoyed Lil, uh, the woman in red, uh, which is, you know, the, the ladies, when they wear red in these comics and early comics, they're always trouble. <laughs> I mean, if, if you ever listened to uh, the Lonely Hearts Romance comic podcast, which I'm part of, mm-hmm. every time a lady wears red, you're in trouble. So, you know, there's a lot of iconic things, you know, uh, a lot of punching, a lot of shooting uh, overwhelming odds, you know, he's fighting six guys at a time. Uh, all these things. It's 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 a nice classic comic strip. Yeah, it is very much of the time, and that it's it's you know it's a short it's short. It's very just plot centric. The angel goes from one killer to the next and just like keeps wet, taking these guys out. But we don't know anything about him. Um, we don't yeah. we don't know anything about his character. What type of person is? We don't get his real name. That will all come months later and i'll get to that later on but it's not you know maybe the violence or the level of like killing aside like you could swap this out for an hour man story or a wild oh, yeah. story or something like that you know I, I don't know how much they actually executed people uh, i mean you know there was a time <laughs> certainly when batman did that too or he was at least involved in in deaths too so you oh, yeah, yeah. Th- this could have been almost any golden age story of that type like a uh, uh, a character who was more or less street level and didn't have a lot of overt superpowers. Yeah, um, it's very it's very much a purple gloved Batman mm-hmm, type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um what did you think of the art? You know what? I, I really enjoyed the art. Um although I, I must admit I really enjoyed the art from from that era. Uh for uh, all intended purposes, I mean these guys were doing great camera. I, I like to call it camera work. Mm-hmm. You know, like the angles and trying to, you know, giving us a nice picture, nice uh, and and the 
the work is is pretty good. I really enjoyed it. And especially the lighting effects mm-hmm. when after he strangles the first guy, which is at nighttime, right? Twilight time or, um, you know, the costume kind of goes to purpley and yeah. and everything. The, the color changes to let us know that it's close to nighttime or it's nighttime, but without all going dark. And I kind of enjoy these little transitions, you know, these little things. And, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's. I, I really enjoyed this type of art for that time, mm-hmm. but you know maybe I'm biased. I just like these old comics. And see, that's the thing. In general, I am not a big fan of golden age art. Um, a lot of it, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is about it. It just it, usually it doesn't grab me. A lot of times, I think it's too small. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this one, like the average grid, you got twelve panels to a page. So you, you know, you imagine how yeah. these. I mean, some of them they break them up where they have taller panels or or wider ones. So you might get eleven, but for most of these pages, you're at like a twelve panel grid for the page. So we're talking about very small, and I tend to associate that with a less dynamic, less sophisticated type of art, and I'm sure somebody's screaming into their pockets saying, oh, you don't understand, that's not true at all, but that's just, that's usually how I view Golden Age yeah. art, but this time around, I don't think it's that that's the case at all, and I think the first page in particular, when you've got a lot, you've got, the angel is across the tent, so you've got nine, three by three, very busy panels with a lot oh, of yeah. action and a lot of stuff going on with it, but each one is very, very well detailed. And what really impresses me is there's a kind of depth of field where there's stuff going on in the background. And I usually don't associate like detailed backgrounds or depth with golden age art, but I really see it here. Like the oh, first yeah. panel when you see, you know, you, I don't know if it's like Ronson or one of the other guys is like beating up somebody in a restaurant. And you see other stuff going on in the back, like other hoods shooting and beating people up and terrorizing. I just think like the art in this first page is really, really striking and it's very detailed oh, yeah. and it's not what I associate. So this left right off the bat. I was like, wow, this is impressive. And like, I didn't know a whole lot about the, the guy in question, this Paul Gustafson. And um, I did look him up. He uh, he also he probably his other most noteworthy creation besides this character was the Human Bomb, uh, who was from oh, Quality wow. Comics, eventually incorporated into DC and became one of the Freedom Fighters. Yeah, he's uh, part of the yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, but um, Gustafson, a lot of his work was often compared to Lou Fine, who created a lot of the other characters, like who would be associated with the the Freedom Fighters. Like uh, I think um, he created like Uncle Sam and the the Human Doll or Doll Man. But yeah, I, I really dig it. Um, there's a lot of movement. There's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of action in there. Every point. That's what I'm talking about when he, I'm talking about the uh, like the camera work. It kind yeah. of feels like he's doing this. Uh, uh, what do you call them when when you know illustrations for a, for a movie, a, a screenplay, a storyboard. or storyboard. a storyboard? Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like a storyboard where you know we see a lot of details, and it's not you know it's it, it's a lot of people and 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 foregrounds and backgrounds and and there's a lot of dynamics going on in these pages, and and it's it's really really nice. It's it's certainly better than the old and now some people are going to be screaming. I'm sorry there, but uh, it's it's a lot better than uh, let's say uh, uh, Captain Marvel comic where mm-hmm. you know you only had like Captain Marvel in the foreground and 
him punching stuff once in a while, but they're basically just standing there. Yeah. There's not a lot of just standing there in this comic. No, no, there isn't. And it's, it's really, it really works out. Like on page three, like I, I like the way, like when Ronson like sees the shadow of the angel and he's like grabbing his like tie or his neck. It's like, yeah, you can see he's spooked and he starts to run away and he's pushing his way past one of the other guys on the steps of city hall. Yeah, and that's a close-up where a close-up would be in in a movie or or a TV show. Yeah, yeah, and then page seven when uh, when the angel is just fighting like a whole room full of uh, trigger bolos thugs. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's that's great, and we have you know everybody's in action. There's mm-hmm. nobody just standing there. Even even the shot in on that page uh, where the thugs are coming at the camera. You know, there's always there's always action. There's always movement in every shot, and and that's I think that's what makes it really. The only art critique I would have was actually at uh, the very end of the story. It's on the last page. It's the second, uh, the last bottom left panel, which is when the angel is holding Doctor Lang and Lil up at gunpoint. I think it's more of just like a coloring problem where you yeah. can't really see that he's holding guns at all. Actually, you know what? The second part of that page mm-hmm. is just basically what we know regularly from, you know, it's <laughs> it's it just feels like blank squares with uh, the angel in them. Mm-hmm. It, it, they kind of feel odd uh, compared to the rest of the comic. And I it wouldn't surprise me if it's just it's rushed because if you look at the last page um because and with the last panel just being an advertisement for what's going on, so you've got 11 panels the last page you have the conclusion of the two guys shooting each other outside the angel yeah. going back into town killing the sixth of the big men then going to the bank and catching the last like you get like three major beats happening all in that one page yeah um, and, and, the then, angel... and then with, and then the angel like looking at the camera and basically summarizing what was going on so, yeah exactly yeah. exactly so I, I, think I think it was i think gustafson got to this page and was really like shoot it should have been the five big men <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it should have been the five big men, or it should have been a twelve pager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was a fun little story. It's not what I expected, um, but I really dig it. Just because, I mean, yeah, we don't. There's nothing about this story necessarily that makes me want to read more Angel. Because again, you could swap this guy out for anything. Yeah, but for just being a one-off, like if this was the only Angel story, it's a fun little adventure. Absolutely. And uh, I think the best part about this is, uh, like you, I just wanted to know who Paul Gustafson was. All of a sudden, this guy is doing great comics in 1939. And I'm like, who? Who is this guy? What? What is he? Why? What? And uh, he had like a great. I mean, if if I had one critique would be probably the inking on this is a Mm. bit too messy. But I mean, that's because, you know, we have nice clean lines now. I mean, but um, I mean, the story, it's eh, but the artwork and the camera work and the storytelling is is pretty solid. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. So. Um, getting into who the angel is, since we kind of established that we don't really know much of anything about him. Um, so Marvel Comics number one, that's when this story is. There was no Marvel Comics number two. When when the series continued, it was rebranded Marvel Mystery Comics. So there's Marvel Mystery Comics, which runs from issue two to issue, you know, whatever. The Angel's identity is not revealed until Marvel Mystery Comics issue 6, and that is when he is identified as Dr. Thomas Halloway. And later on, it will be established that 
Thomas Holloway's father was a prison warden, and Thomas grew up in the prison with basically one of the cells as his private room. Um, and this is where he would study, and he often listened to the prisoners and like kind of heard them out, and it kind of later retconned that they kind of called him their angel because he was there kind of listening to these troubled prisoners, usually in the hours before they were executed or something like that. Um, wow, that's that's at, at at the same time beautiful and very very dark. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, he appeared in a little over one hundred issues in the Golden Age, um, like pretty much consistently every issue of Marvel Mystery Comics, and then Submariner got his own ongoing series eventually. They're called Submariner Comics, and uh, the Angel had a backup feature in that for a long time. Um, and then just like a few other kind of like random sporadic appearances. So he had well over a hundred issues and the ones that I've read, and I've read about 30 of them and it never really clearly defines like what, like, I don't think he really had superpowers. He was just like really athletic, but like sometimes he could jump off of like buildings and like sometimes he was just really, really exceptionally strong. So like sometimes they play with that and sometimes they don't. At one point he even has a cape like, he gets it from, like, a, this old, like, Greek woman, like, the Cape of Mercury, which allows okay. him to fly. But that's, I think, only for one issue, and then it's never revisited. <laughs> so, oh. oh, that's yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah, kind of weird. Um, Finally gets, like, a little trinket to do something, and all of a sudden they take it away. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, poor exactly. guy. Yeah. And you'd think with the angel, kind of flight would be kind of a cool thing, but now they never yeah. do anything about it. Um, so after the Golden Age... He disappears for a long time. He's kind of forgotten by, you know, uh, forgotten by everybody. Well, because in the Silver Age, they say, Stan and Jack create the Angel as one of the X-Men. So that name is taken up. They don't need this guy anymore. But in the early 1990s, in the U.S. Agent four-issue miniseries, uh, an elderly Thomas Halloway has been revealed that he is the financial broker of, or the financial backer of a CIA-sponsored scourge program. This is the scourge of the underworld that was going around murdering criminals for a, like a year or two or more stories in Captain America and some other stories. Um, so, kind of a dark turn or a dark finale to this guy's like, although it is in keeping with him, but he basically just. Yeah, in his sunny golden years before he dies, he just he gives money to these uh, you know guys who go around killing supervillains. So <laughs> that's kind of yeah. Once again, kind of beautiful and dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, getting to where I know him best and kind of the more recent retcon uh, in the 2009 miniseries, The Marvels Project that I mentioned before. Again, that was for Marvel's 70th anniversary. This retconned, like, his bio and his appearance a little bit. Um, this is where he got the domino mask and the guns, because really he didn't use guns that much in the Golden Age stories unless they were just part of the story, and he didn't have a domino mask. But in the Marvel's project, he is given those, and those become, like, his kind of motif. He's got these two guns. But they're not just any guns, because as a doctor, Halloway was treating the two-gun kid, who was one of the Western heroes um, that Marvel created, like, in the 50s. The thing is... In, I think, the 70s, there was a time when the Two-Gun Kid came to the then-present time and joined the Avengers. So he was living out in his own future for a little while. But then he goes back to his own time period in the Old West. And then in the Marvel's Project, which takes place, again, mid to late 1930s, 
we see the two gun kid at the end of his life so now he has lived throughout the you know the 1800s and into the early part of the 1900s but he also had that time where he was part of the avengers in the future so on his deathbed he is telling his doctor thomas halloway all these stories about what will become the age of marvels and where it starts and he kind of tells the doctor he's like you are going to be part of this and he bequeaths to his doctor the guns his his like six shooters and his mask mm. that he wore as as the two gun kid so that's what the angel dons when he starts fighting crime in that series and then that series ends with him dying and in the whatever tense like in the more present tense uh, Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes deliver those same guns and domino masks to Holloway's descendant, his grandson or something, and say, this is your legacy, you can become the new angel. Kind of setting it up if Marvel wanted to create a new version of the character, which I don't think they ever did. Um, so, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Crazy sort of retcon, but um, yeah, for the, if you're listening... If you liked this story or anything like this, um, check out some of the Golden Age uh, Angel stories. Um, you can find some of these on Marvel Digital Unlimited. They've got a lot of issues of Marvel Mystery Comics and Submariner Comics. These are all sort of the same, but otherwise, I highly recommend checking out the Marvel's Project. It gives you a very different version of the character, much more nuanced, much more interesting. Um, I like that story a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to be checking that out for yeah, sure. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It was a very fun story, kind of like a look. And it's it's kind of like some – it's very sort of deconstructionist, like looking at the origins of all of these characters before they became who they are kind of in this huh. issue. It's very much like Marvel Universe Year One. Oh, that's, that's it, quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's very much like that because it's spread out over a long period of time and it ends with, you know, we see kind of like how these characters come to be, how they start acting together, how they're fighting each other at first, and then what kind of brings them together when they're fighting the Nazis and kind of everything leading up to their outing in 1939 or or then where they're like with uh, the war and everything in 1940 and 1941, getting into, getting into the war. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, Any hero punching a Nazi is a great hero to me. Absolutely, absolutely. Punching or shooting. <laughs> or shooting at, yeah. yeah. So, any final thoughts about the angel or this story before we go? Uh, not much. I, I mean, I've said pretty much everything I mm-hmm. I had to say about the angel, but I, I really did enjoy uh, this comic. I I really enjoy these old timey. Uh, there, something about it's like a, a unknown nostalgia mm-hmm. where I'm kind of nostalgic for the comic books that my dad would have read, mm-hmm. but I've never read. You know. Uh, it's it's kind of like stepping in time a little bit and going to see what was going on in in these creators' heads back then, and it's just a great time. I just really enjoy these old comics. Yeah, me too. It is every, every now and then it's fun to revisit these. So, and that's the whole point of this little this special event that we're doing is a, a chance to to honor the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics and, and what they brought in give everybody a chance to sort of spotlight some of these stories, some of which you might have known or some of which you've never heard of before. So, um, But yeah, that is going to wrap up the story of The Angel and this second part of A Marvelous Anniversary. Tomorrow, Rob Kelly and the Irredeemable Shag return to talk about The Submariner by Bill Everett. And yes, I am jealous that they get to cover that one. <laughs> for, for now... Thank you very much for joining me, Bass. This was a whole lot of fun. Uh, where else can people find you on the Fire and Water Network? Well, we just wrapped up First Strike the Invasion podcast. You can listen to it 
Oh uh, yeah, I mean in its entirety. If you want to, it's all online. You can you can get it. We're working on our next our next project, me and Ciscoid. So uh, be looking out for that uh, soon. And you can also hear the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast once in a while. We're doing this uh, uh, maybe. Uh, four times a year type thing mm-hmm. so uh and it's uh the con- i mean it's the comic book uh podcast you didn't know you wanted to listen to <laughs> it's four dudes talking about romance comics so you don't want to miss that check it out i love that show that was so much fun to listen to and i i seriously do hope that we get some new episodes soon and you should <laughs> because i remember sending cisco a bunch of romance comics about a year ago so he certainly has yeah. material oh yeah yeah we're working on that all right, and of course, listeners, you can find me on Cheerscast, Midnight the Podcasting Hour, Batman Nightcast, yes, that will return, uh, and frequently FW Presents because I've been doing a whole lot of uh, random Find Your Joy episodes lately with more still to come. As always, thank you for listening. Please follow us on social media, like, share, favorite, retweet, all that jazz. Leave a comment on the website post, which is at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Thank you very much again, and um, yeah, happy birthday, Marvel. There's a somebody I'm longing to see. I hope that he turns out to be someone to watch over me. I'm a little lamb who's longing.